the Advanced Sports Analytics Podcast. It's March 15th. I'm here with Stuart Gibson. Stuart, it uh, uh, should be a low-scoring slate tonight. We, on Superdraft, are missing all of the high-scoring games at 7 and 7.30. Um, a, lot of, a lot of ways to go. It should be, it should be a good slate. Yeah, uh, I was just perusing game totals and noted uh, no, no games with totals over 230 on the Superdraft 8 p.m. Main slate, and then of course the two uh, seven p.m. games that are excluded from the late super draft slate uh, are, are both totals either at or above uh, two forty. So go figure. Going to be potentially a low scoring night. Um, you know, I don't know. Not sure. I have a specific hypothesis on how you want to treat these low scoring slates. Um, I don't know. Probably I'll probably just be treating it as usual and kind of let the projections do their work. Um, but yeah, it should be, should be a good one. Uh, going to try to get in there with some good action tonight. Uh, I think we've had some pretty good success, uh, with the super draft optimizer over the weekend. Our, uh, data analyst Gus had a second place finish in the big super draft tournament. I think he told me he ran just like the top 20 optimals, uh, that our lineup kicked out and got a, got a second place finish. And I saw, I saw your name on that, uh, on that leaderboard as well, as well as, uh, Grant, who we talked with uh, a couple of weeks ago, it seems, uh, at least to me, that the people who are using, uh, you know, super draft specific tools, I get the sense kind of Grant, he was saying that he's really focused and honed kind of his, his focus on super draft. It seems those people that are really focusing on super draft in a big way and using, you know, quantitative tools to put together their lineups are, I think, at a really kind of advantage uh, against people who are just, uh, you know, throw, throwing DraftKings projections at, uh, super draft multipliers or, you know, trying to kind of build uh, lineups without good, good projections. So I thought that was cool to see and uh, nice, nice second place finish for Gus. Yeah, I was going to text him. I was going to bed right as the slate was ending. I didn't want to jinx him. I saw, I saw how well he was doing. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. So we'll... he had like four of the top 10. I, I think it finished around, around that point. So yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of locked, locked up up top. I think I was looking at the differences. I, I put in a bunch of rules and um, yeah, you did a little bit better. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, the unconstrained lineup uh, might've had uh, just a, just a better night, but yeah, it was funny. You, you Gus and Grant were kind of all, all in the top 10. So um, well, hopefully we can get some same success uh, tonight. So tonight I think, I think this pod will be interesting for people playing on DK and FanDuel as well, because I want to pick your brain about some differences that we might have with the industry. Um, just some projection differences in tough situations. Um, New York, Brooklyn will be an interesting spot. Um, it's not a high total game. It's 223 and a half. Brooklyn is an eight and a half point favorite. Um, we should have pretty tight rotations in New York. Um, quickly is probable. We're assuming him in, correct? Um, uh, yeah, if he's probable, he'll be assumed in. Um, we are 
I believe working under the assumption that Nidalekina will will grab the start, but quickly will get a lot of uh, work off the bench. So I guess question one is, why is the industry so low on Nitilakina? Um, he's been a great GPP play over the years. I have to say, like, he's been a great play even when he's totally off the radar, just because of the volatility of New York in general and the volatility of him in particular. Um, you just, it, the situation is very hard to project always has been hard to project in New York and he's always low priced. Um, so what's your view there? You were quick to point out that um, he was losing minutes and losing opportunity early this season. Um, how do you see it right now with all the injuries? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the rub with Nilakina is that he's just such a low usage guy um, and you know, even in games where he gets big minutes, he, you know, his, his best trait is really as a uh, defensive stopper at points this year. I mean, we've had games where, uh, you know, one of these point guards, whether it's Rose or, uh, you know, Elf Payton before Rose joined the team uh, where these guys have been out and like, just Frank hasn't shown a, just, I guess it's not so much even a Frank thing. It's like a Tibbs thing where they just, he, he doesn't seem to get more than say like 25 minutes. I mean, I'm seeing right now his ceiling, his minute ceiling this year is just a touch under 25. Um, you know, I think they will start Nidalekina out and, you know, maybe, maybe he gets, look, maybe he gets a little extra run because they, they like his ability to be kind of like a Kyrie or Harden stopper. But I mean, the guy's usage is just so insanely low. I mean, we saw just the last game uh, where Rose, Rivers, and Peyton were all out. And, uh, you know, Nilakina's gone seven minutes. He went 14 minutes the night before, which had Peyton in. Quickly, on the other hand, went uh, 24, close to 24 minutes in that. Uh, it's, uh, let's see, March 11th game. So the two games ago. And in the last game, I mean, quickly got, you know, 30, 33 minutes. Uh, with all three of these guards out, I, I guess I just don't see like paths to Nidlakina getting a huge minute uh, allotment. And like, even if he does uh, his, his role in the offense is so limited. I mean, I, it's funny, just like D, DFS and kind of fantasy aside uh, I'm here in New York and have always been like uh, just surprised at how Knicks fans just continue to put so much faith in Nidlakina. Like, he doesn't really. When you have a guy drafted out of high school, essentially, it always adds to the hype, and it, and it makes DFS players more more likely to play him as well. It's getting a little bit stale now. He was in the 2017 draft, but you you always feel like you might catch someone like that at the right point in the age curve, right, or at the right point yeah. in the development curve. Well, so far in in his kind of career, I mean, he's shown little ability to be an offensive playmaker as a distributor. He's shown little ability to be an effective catch and shoot uh, player. And, you know, I, I don't really think he's like a phenomenal athlete in any way. Um, I mean, you know, all, all his value is in real life basketball value is kind of a defensive stopper. Uh, I'm not even really convinced that, you know, he's kind of one of these defenders that doesn't rack up like 
big steals. He's just like a high quality defender, which is good for kind of real basketball purposes. But, you know, I'm not even really convinced he's got like a ton of defensive upside. He doesn't rack up like large amounts of steals or blocks. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's just a guy that I don't think even with high minute, even if he were to see high minutes, like he just doesn't really do enough. It would take kind of a weird game where he just has like a spike in usage that is not super projectable. Um, and, you know, with, with Barrett and uh, Randall healthy and like Bullock is a reasonably high usage as kind of a catch and shoot uh, type swing man. Like I could just see Nilakina just kind of getting squeezed out as far as his role in the offense. Um, so I think that will kind of be my, my thinking around that. Barrett, he maybe because of his wide distributions, um, the sites tend to price him up a little bit. He's rarely attractively priced. Um, you well, he's often like a decent play, but you you pay for it. Um, tonight, he seems like a quality play. Um, I don't think Randall's going to be especially popular. I think Bullock's going to be popular on uh, just speaking of the game in general across all sites. Um, so you like to play this game. How about with quickly? What's your, what's your stance on quickly? Yeah. I mean, I, I think quickly projects favorably. Um, he's not, you know, towards the top of our projection list, but I think he's got kind of wide distributions. He can, you know, fill it up in a heartbeat uh, if, if kind of the, uh, rotations work out for him you know certainly uh, I would expect him to do a good bit of playing with this starting unit uh, I think he'll probably log more minutes than Nidalekina and will probably log some like half closing minutes as part of the starting unit which you know potentially might lower his kind of per minute efficiency at least relative to what we've seen for him but uh, yeah I mean just from an injury standpoint like Peyton is doubtful Rivers and Rose are both out um, you know they're the the Knicks are going to have to play someone uh, at the point guard position, and it'll probably be uh, a mix of Frank, a mix of uh, Quickly. I, I'd probably, you know, gauge it at like a 60-40 in favor of Quickly kind of kind of thing. Maybe a little, maybe like 55-45 uh, towards Quickly. I mean, I guess just the concern with, uh, you know, this game as a whole is uh, – it's not like a super high total game. And I do think both these teams are kind of on the slow side. Uh, this isn't like one of the games that I'm targeting as a, a particularly good pace up spot for either uh, team like Brooklyn and New York, both are holding their opponents to paces below uh, their kind of opponent pregame average or like average over the last 30 days. So, you know, I think there are other games that have maybe more, desirable pace up spots like those those games are Los Angeles at Golden State Memphis at Phoenix and Indiana at Denver uh, neither neither game there's not like a game on the slate that has two fast teams going against one another like we had I think our last show that I did with Gus there was I think it was the Washington Philly game where it was just like two teams that play super fast so we have really three games that have a fast team going up against a slow team and I kind of in those spots like to you know, have some extra consideration for the slow team that is playing a fast team and going to get, you know, we think likely to get sped up by their opponent. 
uh, yeah, with New York and Brooklyn, just kind of two, two slowish teams playing against one another. Um, you know, it's a somewhat of a small slate, but still a spot where I probably would want to have some rules like max one. I mean, definitely a max one of Harden and Kyrie. And I think, uh, you know, potentially like Randall's pretty expensive. I think he's what 1.15 X, you know, I might, might be hesitant to even roster like, uh, Randall plus Barrett in the same lineup. Barrett's got a higher multiplier, but, uh, you know, to really get the max out of Barrett, you kind of have to have a quiet, uh, Randall night and to get a big Randall night, especially at 1.15 X, you kind of need a quiet, uh, Barrett night. So th that might be another rule I might, might consider, uh, implementing in some of the, uh, builds that, that we do. Yeah. And on super draft, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do too poorly by nixing the game altogether. I'd, I think um, in the optimizer, Kyrie currently is coming out in 86% of optimals. So I think I would want to sort of tick that down. Um, and I would also want to tick up Barrett just because Barrett is a 1.65 multiplier. He's coming out in 14% of optim optimals. I would... I would prefer that to be higher myself. Um, and Randall's coming out in 0.4% of optimals. I would want that to be lower. So that that's just how I would do it personally. Um, Barrett, I just think he'll be low owned and his distributions are favorable for tournaments. I would rather take my chances on more Barrett and have uh, a bit less Randall. Um, and Kyrie, I would, he's in 86% of optimals. I, I, I don't want to play him very much. Um, that's just where I am. I'm just not going to play a lot of Kyrie or Harden. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, certainly with Kyrie, you get a bit, a bit of a better price tag. I mean, Harden is, you know, at, at the multiplier floor. Um, I think for me, probably a spot I'm going to want to stay away from. Uh, yeah, maybe. too much has to go right there. Um, if you were high on him, maybe play two New York guys or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a reasonable way to think about it, right? Like for Harden to have a big game, the game needs to kind of play faster than expected. And if, if it does, you know, you hope, and also with, you know, you're playing for maybe a bit of overtime equity, um, you know, you figure for Harden to have a big game, it, that is more likely to come in, in games where, you know, either the game goes over or just the game plays faster than expected or, you know, we get five extra minutes of, of some of these starters. Now, we are a little lower on quickly than the industry. Um, quickly, currently, he's not hitting optimals for us. And he has a 1.7 multiplier. You were mentioning his distributions are wide, so... He might be a sprinkle as well. I would kind of want to play him either alone or if you did want to play Harden or Kyrie, maybe do some quickly in Barrett or something quickly in Randall. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have thoughts on that? We, he's not hitting our optimals. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are going to go with, <clears throat> with two Knicks, it, it probably makes sense to have quickly plus one of those two guys you previously mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking kind of at our projection for his minutes, and they seem to be uh, in line with or maybe even a touch higher than 
some other uh, projections. So, you know, I would guess that that low lower than um, than maybe industry average projection is coming from, I guess, uh, just maybe a low game total or, or some, uh, you know, low uh, low pace indicators for the game. Um, Schroeder is a guy that we are. I take that back. I ran the optimals earlier today and he was in there a decent bit. Now he's only in there 6% of optimals. Um, but we still are a little high on Schroeder relative to the rest of the industry, which I'm in agreement with. Um, that game, well, you always you always have two equities that come with the late game. You have the uh, the swap equity, where if you're behind, you know it, and you can tend to know what the other guys have and swap uh, for that late game. And additionally, you have the LeBron no play equity. Um, probably not a consideration, but it could happen here in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I trust that LeBron will be in. Uh, he, I'm seeing him listed as probable, not questionable. So, you know, feel pretty confident that he'll play. I mean, I think the Schroeder projection is just that, look, I mean, while Anthony Davis has been out, like Schroeder has had these games where he is a particularly high usage as part of that starting unit. Um, and it's just, I, I think Los Angeles is the team with kind of the best um, – like matchup spot. I mean, Golden State is the most up-tempo team on the slate and LA is kind of slightly below league average as far as pace goes. Uh, but, you know, you put them in this matchup playing against the super fast uh, Warriors and it's a spot where, you know, potentially Schroeder could overachieve his price. Like the way I think about pace is that like guys on Golden State, they have that up-tempo fast pace kind of baked into their price right and that's reflected in just like team scoring averages that's also going to be reflected in the uh you know vegas odds uh you know all this stuff it's kind of baked into how we evaluate warriors players however i'm not really so sure that like uh the pricing for the opponent of these up-tempo teams like it doesn't always have uh that kind of elevated pace baked into their price so you know, you think kind of you with, with taking these slower paced teams that are going up against a really fast opponent, there's an opportunity to get uh, pricing that is uh, really not considering the, the, the up-tempo nature of their opponent. So, you know, I like the Los Angeles guys in kind of a spot like that. Uh, Phoenix is another team that is uh, going up against that Phoenix is typically pretty slow, uh, maybe slightly above, below average in terms of team pace going up against Memphis who plays pretty fast, uh, you know, a good opportunity to get uh, players on the Phoenix side who are going to be faster than they usually play. Uh, even though that up-tempo expectation might not fully be baked into their price. So that could be why we're high on guys like Booker, uh, Aiton, who, you know, has been, I think kind of a sore talking point on the show, but his multiplier now is, you know, pretty high. I mean, it feel, feels like not that long ago where, uh, you know, People were, Aiton was like priced at like one three one three five x. Now he's all the way at one point five five x. So that's probably where some of that uh, 
optimistic projection for some of those Phoenix guys is coming from. And, and Schroeder kind of same, same concept, like, you know, a, a slower team that's expected to be playing up uh, against a fast paced opponent tonight. Yeah, we're, we're very high on Booker tonight relative to the industry. And I agree with that. We have him in 94% of optimals right now. Um, I am there. Uh, Aiton, yes, his price continues to fall. His multiplier continues to go up. Um, he has not paid off for anyone that's played him really in my entire memory. And I, I, like, I've been playing him this season. It's been, but it's getting to the point where like, he's got to be having some conversations with his agent where his, his value is just absolutely nosediving right now. And you would think he hasn't looked motivated on the court, but you you would think that he's just fear-wise like you're gonna get motivated. I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, and it's an interesting price point. Both Booker and Aiton are like I, to me, one three five for Booker is a pretty good multiplier price on him. They're kind of like I don't typically like to play, uh, you know, kind of primary type players on the same team or, or maybe primary players that serve in kind of the same lineup rotation, but at one, three, five and one, five, five, you know, they're, they're kind of entering the territory where like, maybe I could consider playing Aiton and Booker in the same lineups, um, especially since Aiton can achieve value through rebounding and block shots where, uh, you know, it'd be different where it'd be like Booker versus Paul, where both those guys need to be pretty, ball dominant to both achieve kind of their best performances. I, I guess I could see paths to Aiton and Booker getting there in the same game. Um, but it's kind of, to me, like on that edge of a combined price where, you know, I might be considering setting some, you know, exclusive rules, but um, I don't know. I'll probably have to make that decision a little closer to lock. Um, let me ask you about two guys that we are high on at ASA. Uh, that I don't think will be popular on any site, including Superdraft, or I don't think will be super popular. Um, we are high on Jamal Murray. He is hitting 57% um, of optimals right now. No, sorry, 41% of optimals. Uh, in the same game, we're high on Sabonis. With, that'll lead to our forward discussion in a second. 57% of opt, uh, optimals. Um, Jamal Murray, um, we have 1.4, which is a nice multiplier. Um, what do you see there? Do you think you're going to be playing a lot of Jamal? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a decent chance I will. And especially because I, I might be inclined to kind of avoid one X, uh, Jokic. I mean, you know, guy, the guy's obviously a tremendous player and kind of a good play at raw, but with only one X multiplier, um, you know, and just kind of, he, he always tends to garner so much uh, ownership and popularity. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of prefer a guy with Murray's level of multiplication where, um, you know, 1.4 X, like he doesn't need to have a, you know, his ceiling kind of phenomenal performance. But, you know, he is a guy that we know is perfectly capable of, uh, you know, putting up a massive game, you know, even pre-multiplier. And when you factor in the, the 1X mul or 1.4X multiplier, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a favorable projection on him. Uh, he is, I think, a pretty stable player. I mean, he's got this massive ceiling, but also has, you know, pretty good stability. Like he's locked into double digit shot attempts uh, pretty much every game, you know, is, is, you know, comfortably playing minutes in the mid to even high 30s at times. And, um, you know, I don't think Denver is like a super up tempo team, but they're, you know, they're here in this game against uh, Indiana with a nice, uh, I mean, relatively speaking, you know, 224 total is uh, kind of comfortably in the middle of the slate. And there are, uh, you know, a number of games that are above and below uh, that, that Denver total, Denver, Indiana, Indiana total. So um, it seems, I guess I'm looking at, it seems like there are more, more games above uh, above that game in terms of total, but um, yeah, I mean, no, and you know, Denver is pretty thin at guard, so I just think Murray's locked into you know super uh, consistent kind of mid thirties role, uh, going to be taking a lot of shots, and I mean, can just fill it up quite quickly. Um, just think it's a for me kind of a price thing. You get uh, you know pretty much forty uh, percent lower price or higher multiplier on Murray compared to to Jokic and. I imagine you're also going to be getting a pretty good ownership discount on Murray compared to Jokic. Uh, you know, Joker tends to be one of the more popular uh, plays on Superdraft, just given his scoring versatility. All right, so that's our ASA leverage spot of the day. Fade Jokic at center and play Jamal Murray, because I do think Jokic will be very popular at center. Yeah. Um, one more question at guard. We've been a long time on guard, but I think it's worthwhile. Um, we are also high on DeJounte Murray, relatively high multiplier 1.4. Um, first of all, who, who do you take, DeJounte or Jamal Murray? I, I like DeJounte a lot. I mean, he um, it, it's, it's a lower total game, but with no DeRozan tonight, no Aldridge still, um, you know, DeJounte just seems to have these big kind of high usage games, super versatile score. Like I would say probably a more versatile fantasy asset than Murray. Uh, you know, he can, he gets, you know, he's, he's kind of not inconsequential as a rebounder at the point guard position, can distribute for assists, uh, can score in his own right. And I just expect him to get a ton of usage with DeRozan out, um, it's not like a phenomenal matchup against Detroit. Both these teams are uh, slow-ish. Detroit is actually quite slow. They're they're uh, you could they are I mean the slowest team on the slate. Um, or I'm sorry, San Antonio is the slowest team on the slate with um, regards to possessions per 48 minutes over the last 30 games. Detroit second slowest. So you know not not the greatest game environment, but. Uh, with DeRozan out, I mean, I think there's just a ton of usage opportunity for Murray. So uh, that, that would probably be my lean between those two guys. Got you. I'm, I'm the same. And our optimizer prefers DeJounte a good bit. He's finding right now 67% of lineups. Um, let's jump to center real quick because we, um, as we mentioned, are high on Aiden. I think we're much higher than the industry. I, I'm in agreement. He's a 1.55 multiplier. Our optimizer is currently playing him in 81% of lineups. Um, it's important to note that he's um, center only eligible. 
we have Plumlee, who is center and forward eligible, and we're playing him in 98% of lineups. Um, yeah. So, so Plumlee is an interesting guy. He's kind of up and down. Like I'm just looking at his uh, time series, like field goal attempts uh, on the site. And I mean, he's got some games where he's just like kind of a non-factor, you know, taking less than five shots a game, but then he's also got, seems like every other game, he kind of oscillates between like a 10 plus uh, shot outing. And he's definitely got a, a very uh, palpable floor where, you know, he can have these games where he just doesn't, uh, isn't really involved in the offense in a big way. Uh, you know, I think given his high multiplier, uh, you know, it makes him makes for a nice tournament play. Uh, I do think could be a little uh, slippery as a cash play, just given kind of the volatility around his role in the offense. Um, so basically among the guys that are center eligible, I think a lot of the industry will go to Jokic. And we will um, be taking our chances with Plumlee at 1.65, Aiton at 1.55, Sabonis at 1.25, Porzingis at 1.35, and Randall at 1.15. Although we mentioned we weren't, or I wasn't super high on Randall. Um, so, Aiton is another sort of ASA stance on the night. We like that as your center only guy. We also think uh, J Val at 1.4 is another good play. Whenever you have the center only eligible people um, tends to give your lineups good leverage since there is only one center spot. Um, okay, so bleeding into a forward. Um, because of dual eligibility, we are we are in on Sabonis, Porzingis, Plumlee. Um, the rest of the industry, I do think, will be somewhat high on some of the low multiplier stars like LeBron and and uh, Kyrie. Um, we um, are really not playing so much of those guys. Um, Doncic, um, I don't think he'll be especially popular tonight. How are you seeing forward? Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, you know, I think there's some nights where we are super high on some of these low multiplier kind of high floor guys tonight. Definitely appears not to be one of those nights. Um, we're, I think, much more partial to these kind of flex center forwards um, that are in kind of the mid to high multiplier range. Uh, let's see. I mean, Leonard, uh, just that that L.A. Dallas game, I think, is one of the higher totals on the slate. Um, looking at it right now, I think it is the highest total game on the slate. So, uh, you know, going with either George or uh, Kawhi, I think could be could be a uh, good option. Ibaka is questionable. I um, I don't know that that's totally insignificant for some of these uh, forwards. You know, I could see uh, if Ibaka were to be held out, uh, LA giving maybe a little extra run, you know, an extra minute or two to uh, George or Leonard, try to play them kind of up at like a power forward type position. Um, in that same game, you know, we mentioned Porzingis uh, 
typically projecting him quite favorably. And it looks like that is the case again tonight. Um, there's a few LA uh, centers, Kuzma and Harrell, who there just aren't too many routes, like both of them having a big game. But, um, you know, Harrell off the bench sometimes just has these games where he is a super productive, super high usage. Uh, Kuzma looks like also expected to come off the bench today. Um, so, you know, figure there, there are routes to maybe one of those guys having uh, a solid game. Um, although that, that would probably be a pair, even though they're high multiplier, just wouldn't want to be playing uh, together in the same lineup given their on, on that same secondary line tonight uh, for LA. But, you know, as mentioned with Schroeder, you know, good kind of pace up spot for, for the Lakers. So I think uh, Kuzma and Harrell could, could be worth, uh, you know, a tournament tournament consideration. Yeah. And Kuzma, he's pro questionable right now. I'm seeing probable. Um, probable. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, so I'd expect him to play and, you know, of course, if LeBron were to somehow get kind of a surprise scratch, uh, Kuzma, I think, would be a really big beneficiary of that. And you know, Harold might see a little extra run as well. And, and of course, I think you'd get a pretty big usage bump for Schroeder. So uh, some of these secondary Laker pieces would, I think, be really uh, plus plays if, if LeBron were, were to be ruled out, although I don't expect that to be the case. All right. Uh, one last question for the day. Um, I do think Jeremy Grant will garner some ownership in general at a 1.45 multiplier. Um, we have him in 2% of optimals. Um, so I think we'll be, I, I believe quite unique in the industry in taking Plumlee as a lock. Well, I know we'll be unique there, but um, I think some people will go the other way and play Grant, no Plumley. Yeah, um, you know, I think the the two are probably pretty negatively correlated. Their usage in the offense is likely to come, you know, at, at the expense of the other. Um, interested just to see what Grant has been doing lately. We mentioned how Plumley has been kind of up and down as far as his uh, role as a shot taker. Uh, Grant, you know, a little more stability, uh, kind of higher floor figures he'll he's a lock to take you know 15 plus shot attempts um so yeah i mean i, I think figures to be a strong play uh you know kind of just wish with grant the multiplier was a little uh, a little higher i think he's a guy that we were playing a ton of when he was at like 165x now that he has come down to you know south of 1.5 uh just kind of not fitting into the lineups quite uh quite as frequently as he was earlier this year all right well that'll do it for the day uh good luck everyone in the contest and we'll be back uh, this week.